This week's episode, we have Kyle Woodward from Woody's Q Shack out of Colorado. His ventures into the barbecue world were a little different than most of how he got started. So tune in and you'll hear all about it. Welcome to the Butcher Barbecue Podcast, world headquarters, Wellston, Oklahoma. The Butcher Turned Pitmaster, your host, David Bosca. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Butcher Barbecue Podcast. This week, we have got a Colorado cooker by the name of Kyle Woodward. He runs a restaurant up there called Woody's Q Shack. Kyle, say hi to everybody. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me on, Dave. Uh, you bet. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. We understand what that's like. Tell everybody exactly where in Colorado you live. We are in Alamosa, Colorado. Um, which is in the very southern part of the state. We're about 30 miles from the New Mexico border, directly in the center of the state. So if you took and, and looked at the state of Colorado, directly in the center of the state, down at the southern border, that's where we're at. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, you're, you can still say you get some of that Rocky Mountain weather, but you probably get some of that western stuff too, don't you? We do. We're actually in a in a high mountain desert, um, is what they call it. Um, we're in a in a big valley. We're completely surrounded by mountains, which this time of year can make the barbecue business any cooking tough. Um, last night, our low temperature was 25 below zero. So oh. what happens is that that cold Arctic front comes in and and it comes in over those mountains and it just sets in here and it won't leave for, you know, this could be socked in here for a month. Mid February is about when it starts warming up. So this puts a whole new level on pit mastering, doesn't it? It does. Um, the other thing that, that we're up against is we're at 7,500 feet in elevation. So when you factor in the elevation and the cold temperatures, it, it can present some challenges. All right, let's just get right into that real quick. I was going to ask about your family and, and, and how you got <laughs> into it, but hey, let's just dive right off into this real quick. The Colorado cooking, um, there's a lot of states that, that have the elevation like this. What do you see or what did you have to learn so different um, cooking there versus any place else you've cooked? Um, finishing temperatures and... Um with your guidance, I, I finally learned that uh, the boiling point of water has a lot to do with the finishing temperatures of meat. <laughs> so, you know, up here at 7,500 feet in elevation, our boiling temperature is about 198 degrees, which ironically is right about where our finishing temperature of, of brisket and pulled pork are about. Um, you know, we're, we're normally pulling our briskets and pork off 190 between 198, they'll stall out at about 198 degrees. So, um, again, going back to your advice and Kelly Wurtz's advice, you both told me when your meat stalls out, give it 30 minutes and pull it off, and it's probably done. And that's that's some great advice that we follow in our restaurant. Wow, that's awesome. I, that's that's great. And the reason do you do you know why the reason is? Why it stalls out? Um, the the difference in the elevation. Um, it's also got a lot to do with baking. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. That's really really what we're doing with with barbecue is we're almost baking meat. But uh, scientifically, that's like I said, going back to the boiling point of water. Um, when the meat stalls out is when most of the moisture. If I'm not, if I'm not, you're right on track. If I'm Keep saying going. this correctly, yeah. Yep. 
that's when most of the moisture has come out of the meat. Um, doesn't necessarily mean it's done, but that's when, you know, when most of the moisture is out of the meat. So that it'll stall out at that point. Um, doesn't necessarily mean it's done. Luckily for us, it is done at about 198 degrees, but um, that's not the case in all places. When you've had to travel up a little farther, um, say doing contests, I don't know if you've vended up any farther, but doing contests, did you even see a change if for your own temperature timings? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a contest. There's a couple that we go to. One is the Colorado Barbecue Challenge in Frisco, Colorado. It's um, one of the biggest in the country. Um, their elevation's around 10,000 feet there. So our it's kind of funny to watch. I'm used to it now, but uh, teams, especially from your area, um, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of teams that come into that comp. Um, last year, we were parked directly across from Tim with Shake and Bake, mm-hmm. and I know that up at Frisco, you're around 195, 196 degrees. Your brisket is stalled out. Um, you see a lot of guys starting to panic going, Oh my God, you know, I came from Oklahoma or Kansas or wherever Flatlanders, and I'm used to my, yeah, I'm used to my brisket <laughs> finishing at 205, 208. And here we are sitting at 196 degrees more stalled. So yeah. Um, I, and then I, there's another one. There's another comp we go to that's about a thousand feet higher than that. It's in Leadville, Colorado, which is the highest city in the state of Colorado. It's 11,000 feet. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. I like the, the information on that we take for granted either at sea level or, or two, three, four thousand makes oh, a little bit, but not a major difference. But I, when you step up there to seven, eight, 10, 11,000, you, you need to be knowing what you're doing. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, for sure. And then vice versa. Um, I go to a comp in Lamar, Colorado, which is out by the Kansas border every year, every May. And they're at about 4,000 feet. So that's, we're looking at the exact opposite there, you know, where our uh, meat is finishing quicker at those temperatures, but it's also the finishing temperatures a lot higher. So there's, you know, being, being where I'm at, um, the only time that I cook at 7,500 feet elevation is at my home comp. And that's it. As far as competition goes. (laughs) Ain't that a a shame. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, let's talk, let's step back a little bit since we jumped into that real quick. Tell me a little bit about you and your family and, and Colorado. So I was born and raised here in Alamosa, Colorado. Uh, my family is, I'm sixth generation um, in this, this actually, this valley. Um, I've got a wife and two boys. They're 13 and 11 years old. Um, as far as my family with the barbecue business, um, let's talk about your kind pops. Of funny. that's where i'm wanting to go yeah yeah i kind of figured uh that's a tough one he was yes, uh, i got into the barbecue business with him um i told my wife one year i didn't i'm not really big on gifts um she kept asking me what i was wanting for christmas and finally i said ah just give me a turkey fryer i'd never touched a smoker in my life um so I think that's what she was planning on getting me this was back in like 2008 or 2009 i can't remember which year but anyway, a couple weeks later, my parents invited us out to out to their house for dinner. We went out there and we had these pork chops that were just fantastic. And I asked my dad, I said, what'd you do to these? So I cooked them on my smoker and I didn't even know he had a smoker. So he took <laughs> me out to the shop and he had this little Traeger sitting there. So we came back in the house and I told my wife, I don't want a turkey fryer. I want a smoker. 
So she bought me a little Traeger that year for Christmas, and I just kind of became infatuated with it, with barbecue, with smoking meat, um, really to the point where she would uh, she'd be setting up our weekly – she'd do like a weekly menu menu plan, and I would tell her, don't put anything on the menu for the weekend. I'll cook something on the smoker. I don't know what, but I'll cook something on the smoker. There you go. I like it. <clears throat> so it just kind of went from there. Um and at the same time, so my dad had his his little Traeger. I had mine. We were always sharing ideas and bouncing ideas off back and forth. And, hey, try my food. Or, hey, try this. Or, hey, try these ribs. And going back and forth. Um, you know, and then we got to where we were pretty decent at it. At, at what we thought. We thought we were decent at cooking barbecue. And uh, one night I was just, um, just kind of bored. And I looked up barbecue cooking schools. I thought, I, you know, I'm pretty good at barbecue, but I want to be really good at it. So I just did a Google search for barbecue cooking schools and came across this backyard class in Ponca City, Oklahoma, which lo and behold was hosted or taught by Stuart Powell, Cook Shack, and Russ Garrett. Yep. So my dad and I, they had it in this little church out there in Ponca City. Uh, my dad and I loaded up. We drove out there. We just kind of made a weekend trip out of it, kind of a father-son deal, and came back with a ton of knowledge. Um and I got to where we were actually really good barbecue cooks. So, you know, friends would come over. We'd have friends over for for meals um, pretty soon. Hey, would you mind cooking me a rack of ribs? We'll turn into, hey, I'm having a party for 20 or 30 people. Can you cook some pulled pork for me? Um, and then uh, you know, one thing just kind of led to another. And we got to where people were asking us to cook all the time. So we said, you know, forget this. We're not going to do this for free. It's a ton of work. <laughs> that's right it is it is so um we said let's start catering let's start we're at but let me actually back up at the time i was in the cell phone business i owned a cell phone dealership so we said let's start a, a catering business on just do it on the side we'll just do it on weekends and so we did but we wanted to do it right so we looked i knew that cook shack had a restaurant and catering class so we went out to that which is where I met you. Um, yep. It was, again, it was taught by you and Stuart and fast Eddie. So we went out to the restaurant and catering class, um, ended up buying an FEC 500 at the restaurant and catering class and came home and started catering. Cha-ching. Um, yeah. <laughs> and catering business grew and grew and grew um, to the point where we're catering three or four times a week pretty much as much as we wanted to really. So did your um, catering come after or before one of your first contests? It was before. Okay. Before. Yeah. So in fact, the first contest that we cooked, <laughs> we cooked on that FEC 500. Okay. Hauled it out to Grand Junction, Colorado and cooked the contest on that FEC 500. All right. Now tell me you didn't cook as, uh, smoker full. It was like putting a marble in a bowling ball. Bag, wasn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Yep. yep. Exactly. To quote, um, uh, the great Burt Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. So we did one contest the first year. Um, and the next year, I think we did two. They actually started a contest in my hometown that following year. So we did our local contest and went back out to grand junction, Colorado, 
um, which is where we got our first call. We played sixth in chicken and we were just on, on a high note. We thought we had really, we we're really on to something. Um, but as you know, competition barbecue will humble you. So, um, I went back out to, after that third or fourth contest, I thought, man, I need to figure this competition game out. So I went back out to your competition class in Ponca city, learned a great deal. Um, and came home, started doing pretty well, won my first contest at the, not my first contest, sorry, my first category at the National Western Stock Show. I won ribs. Oh, Very okay. first year they had that contest there. I cooked that one time. Uh, y'all were there. I know. Y'all were there. <laughs> yeah. I made it up there yeah. one time, and I remember driving home with the snow and ice on January 2nd, 3rd, something like that, and I thought, Oh my gosh, what have I gotten into? Pulling my truck and trailer between Colorado and Senator Kansas. Yep, I know it. <clears throat> That's I, why I quit going to that contest, actually. Yeah, I remember driving into Denver and I was, I don't know, 30 minutes, an hour out of Denver and there was some signs up on the road and it said, if you go through this pass, you change are required on the tires. And okay. I don't know the <laughs> landscape. I'm sitting there going, Holy cow. What am I gotten into? I got to pull off and talk to these people at this truck stop just to see if I'm going to get there. And they, they reassured me. No, it's on the other side of Denver. And I said, well, there's yeah. no worry about me going past Denver. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, – I actually quit going to that contest. I was hauling my trailer up there, my trailer. So let me kind of go back. After we started catering, we turned the business into a full-time business, bought a trailer. We mounted two FEC 120s on the back of that trailer um, and started selling barbecue full-time out of the trailer. Um, so we were actually hauling our business with us when we'd go compete. <laughs> and uh, after two years in a row of hauling that thing up to Denver – on snow packed and icy roads. I said, I'm not doing this anymore, man. Let's put my whole business at risk, you know? Yeah. So, so, so at this uh, point when you was doing the, the catering, was you using your trailer as a vending trailer also and trying to do site setups and cook, or were you just using yeah. it for catering? No, we were doing, we we're, we actually had a friend that owned a car wash and we'd park at their car wash in the parking lot daily and sell barbecue out of that trailer daily. And then if we had a catering job, we just wouldn't go to the car wash. We would, we would just cater, but everything was done out of that trailer. I mean, we were doing thousand person catering jobs out of that trailer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so did you still have your, um, phone dealership? I didn't. We closed that in, uh, March of 2015. And that's when we started doing barbecue full time. Okay. Now that, poses a great question that a lots and lots of listeners are probably wondering about. Don't give us the figures needed that the IRS might come back and nail us on, but, <laughs> um, you're a college educated person. Um, I know you went to school, you, you, you've got this, you did marketing for your other business. You're, you've obviously marketed and you got this rolling and going, at what point did you say it will behoove me to shut this down and let me follow this passion? When did you think and or realize, I mean, there's a lot there to think about. It's more than, can I make the money at it? It's my family depends on my income. Um, I, I don't want to devastate my household. So what made you say, let's push this button and make it happen? 
<laughs> well, um, so I'm going to say this without trying to sound bad. We AT&T was the cell phone dealer that we were selling for and they forced our hand. Um, mm. We were, we were the biggest dealer in the state of Colorado, um, but not the biggest in the nation and a big dealer who is AT&T's biggest dealer in the nation um, decided to move in here. They didn't decide to move in here. AT&T had a corporately owned store in this town and I had my dealership. I also had two other stores. Um, AT&T's contract said that if we decide to get out of the business or they decide to shut us down, all that is required is 90 days notice and there doesn't have to be a reason. So they had wow. this corporately owned store. Yeah. They had this corporately owned store that was failing. So they asked it's their biggest dealer in the nation to come in and take over that store and the one in Canyon city, Colorado, which is where one of my other stores is located. So that dealer came in, um, and I'm not sure what happened, but within six months of them being in, in our town and us basically competing against each other, it's like having two, say, four dealerships in the same town. We received a call from AT&T one day that said, um, we're not going to renew your contract. Enough said. Enough said. So I said, well, I've got this barbecue business going. Um I guess we're going to make a run at it full time and see what happens. Okay. Um, it, so it's more out of necessity than anything. Yeah, and that that's that's facts of life. That's that happens a bunch, also. So, yeah, it was uh, like I said, we didn't do anything wrong with the cell phone dealership. We actually had the highest rated customer service scores in the nation. Um, we were blown away. It, it it shocked us. It shocked our whole family. But so, um, did you start marketing more? Knowing that in 90 days, I'm done. Yeah. Then when they actually, when AT&T called and said, we're going to give you 90 days, I said, no, you're wrong. I'll give you two weeks. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, you know, I, I did. We we're within, we gave them two weeks. Um, they called, I, I want to say it was like first of March, March 15th, we were closed up. And by March, I think 20th, we were selling barbecue full time out of that trailer. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I figured there'd be something, didn't know what it would be, especially as simple as one paycheck just started with the, uh, where one quit, one started. Yeah. Yeah. What, it was scary. It was a tough time. Um, but you know, like I said, we made it happen. So. Absolutely. It's a scary time. Anytime you're, you're changing, it is. I mean, I don't care if you're a, a an engineer and going from a, one firm to another firm, it's still a scary move. And then you yep. go from, uh, a profession that you had in a, in a good business to well, uh, shot in the dark. That's <laughs> what, what did you yep. do as far as marketing? How'd you get the word out that, Hey, we're doing this now. Come visit us. What'd you do? Anything particular? Well, we had a pretty good following from catering. Um, the town that we live in luckily is about the population's around 10,000. So we know a lot of people, a lot of people knew us. They had our food from catering. Uh, we had actually set up at our town has a big festival every year, the first part of June. So we'd set up and sell barbecue at that festival. Um, but a lot of them knew us. So as far as marketing, we just pushed it out on social media. That's all. That's the only marketing ever I've ever done in this business is, is social media. Free stuff. Love it. Yep. Um, 
but yeah, and then that trailer, um, you've seen our trailer, it's bright yellow. Yep. I didn't order I didn't order a yellow trailer because I like the color yellow. I ordered a yellow trailer because I knew it'd stand out. And I wanted people to see us from you know, I wanted to I wanted them to see us from as far as their eyes could possibly see. Um, which which it does. That trailer's bright and it stands out, but that's what we wanted. You know, we want people to see that color yellow trailer and say, Oh, there's barbecue in that trailer, let's stop and get some. Well, I think the name is obvious, but explain to everybody your name and what you how'd you come up with that for the business. Okay, so yeah, so our last name is Woodward. Um, when my dad was in school, my dad actually started the business with me. Um, so it was me and my dad basically cooking barbecue, and we actually decided to go into the business full time. Um, when he was in school, a lot of his buddies referred to him as Woody. And same with me. A lot of my friends, you know, Woody is short for Woodward, I guess. So that's where the Woody came from. The Q is obvious, um, barbecue. And then Shaq, uh, my mom actually, she doesn't have it anymore. But at one time when we first started this business, she had a, uh, a shaved ice business. It was called a snow shack. That She owned it, but she would hire high school kids to run it in the summer. Um but it was called the snow shack. So we said, well, let's, let's, uh, set the businesses up as shack enterprises, um, just for tax purposes, basically. So that's where the shack came from. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but then my mom has since sold that shaved ice business. Um, so the only thing that's left is, is the barbecue business. It is the franchise of the barbecue. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You you clicked along there for a few years. It was rocking and rolling. You'd still get out every now and then and go vend. I'm sorry, go cater. Then you'd vend. Then you'd go do a contest. Then something else come along. Um, let's talk about a sit-down sit restaurant. Um, how'd that come about? Did that just fall on your lap, or did you go looking no, for it? No, it uh, – so this is where it gets tough. Uh, April – Sorry, let's see here. Well, it was right at the beginning of 2018. My dad wasn't feeling well. We couldn't figure out what was going on. So uh, mid-April, finally got a diagnosis. He had uh, stage four pancreatic cancer. Yes. Um, at the same time, I had a buddy who was an associate principal at one of the elementary schools here in town, and he would help us out with catering and vending once in a while. You met him. Um he was with us at the stock show. He was also with me at the Royal um, when we were hanging out in your trailer. I I, yes, I think I do. Yes, I do remember this. So his name's Jose Ortega. Um, the principal, he was the associate principal. So the principal at his school uh, was retiring. So he, he uh, applied for the principal job. And the process was moving along slowly. Um and this was right at the same time my dad was diagnosed with cancer. So I hadn't told anybody my dad had cancer. Um, but Jose texted me one night and he said, uh, hey, if I don't get this principal job, can I come to work for you for the summer? And I said, well, I got a better offer for you. He said, my dad's been diagnosed with cancer. Why don't you buy their half out of the business? And uh, the, there was a restaurant at the golf course that was sitting vacant. It was just uh, just an empty restaurant. And he was on the golf board at the time. And I said, why don't we 
open up a restaurant at the golf course um, because I needed help. I knew that I was going to need help in the business. Without my dad, we had so much catering that there was no way I could do it. Yeah. Um, So that's what happened. He bought my parents out of the business. Um, We opened up a restaurant out of the golf course. And uh, and then in January of this year, we saw that a better location right in the heart of downtown Alamosa became available. So we moved from the golf course to downtown Alamosa. <clears throat> and uh, then in May, another school here in this valley approached him, and they had an opening for a high school principal job. So he applied for and took the job, and I bought him out. And now my wife and I are 100% owners of the business. Nice, real nice. And Yeah, so we still have the trailer. And now we've got the brick and mortar. So we plan on this spring getting the trailer back out. It's too cold right now. We can't keep the trailer with the temperatures. We can't keep the water thawed out, which doesn't really please the health inspector. So <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so cold right now that just pulling the trailer down the road, even if the water is thawed out, we keep heaters in there under the cabinet where the water tank is at, but just pulling it down the road is enough to freeze the water. So at, what did you yeah. say? Negative twenty five. Yeah, I was negative twenty five last uh, night. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, restaurants rolling, doing great. Um, what have y'all? Um, you still run into the one, the single five hundred um, in the restaurant, or have you added to that? No, we've added to it. So we have the five hundred. It's parked outside. Um, it's on a trailer actually. So I didn't want to take it off the trailer and roll it in just in case, you know, we were going to go somewhere. Plus our kitchen here in the restaurant, I don't think it's big enough to handle that 500. I don't know that we could get it in, in the kitchen actually. Oh, um, you mean literally so through the, the walls? Yeah. 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 We'd have to tear some walls out to get that thing inside. So we have the 500 sitting outside and then we have an FE 240 um, underneath the hood in the kitchen. Okay. Tell us what kind of uh, menu items you got. What do you run? What What are y'all popular for? What do they What do they come and eat at your joint? The most popular item, which ironically enough, I guess it tells us we're doing something right. It's the most expensive item on our menu is brisket. Um, brisket and burn ends. We normally sell out of burn ends every day by noon. We can't. Very rarely do we have them for our for our dinner rush. Um, and they're a traditional, I guess, Kansas city style burn in, you know, we cube them up and caramelize them in the sauce and get them good and good and sticky with the sweet sauce. Um, but burn ins and brisket are our most popular items. And then of course, pulled pork, um, St. Louis ribs. Uh, we have two sausages. We have a spicy Polish sausage and a jalapeno cheddar sausage. Um, and I'll just go ahead and reveal that the, the jalapeno cheddar sausage is actually Tim McKeska's sausage. So. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. I love his sausage. It's, it's a fantastic sausage. Yeah. So, um, and then smoked Turkey and then we do a dry rub wing. Um, we dry rub them and smoke them and then they're flash fried to order. Oh, I got it. That, that way they, yeah. Kind of par cooked. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You have a fry later then. So you do fries, tots, um, sweet potatoes, anything else like that on in a fry? Yeah, we do. We do. We just do fries. Um, we don't do tots or sweet potatoes. Okay. We do fries. And then we have these, uh, it's an appetizer. We call them pit master rolls. They're fantastic. It's a, 
pulled pork, mac and cheese, and diced green chili rolled up in an egg roll wrapper, and then they're fried to order. Oh, well, that sounds interesting. Uh, now, say that again. <laughs> pulled pork. Pulled pork, mac and cheese, and diced green chilies. Rolled up in an egg roll wrapper and deep fried. Yep. That that sounds like something I need to be trying right there. I'm, I'm not saying <laughs> I am, but I, I like to classify <laughs> myself as a uh, macaroni and cheese connoisseur. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, they are fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then all of our sides in the restaurant are homemade. Um, so we do a vinegar-based slaw. I don't, I'm not a fan of creamy slaw. Um, I guess it reminds me too much of KFC. I don't know. But uh, So we do a vinegar-based coleslaw. And then the other reason that we do the vinegar-based slaw is for food safety reasons. Um, yeah. You know, it can sit out or it doesn't, we don't have to worry about the mayo going bad or anything like that. Um, and then we do a potato salad. It's mustard and mayo-based with some of our Carolina sauce in it. We, we do serve a Carolina sauce. Okay, let me ask you this. Um, you've mentioned the burn-ins from the KC, the Carolina sauce, um, the vinegar-based this, uh, the brisket selling great. There in Colorado, how would you classify, you know, everybody wants a style. Everybody wants to say <laughs> you're this or that. We, I'm not a fan of, of calling it that. But right. where would you say the essence of your barbecue is originating from? Well, I mm -hmm. actually, I give credit to your region. Um, that's really kind of, I mean, that's what I was taught, right? I was, I was taught to cook great barbecue from you in particular. Um, Stuart, Russ, Fast Eddie, you guys all had a hand in it. Um, yeah, now you're so going to blame more, us, ain't I, you? <laughs> 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 so it's more of that type of influence that it has, I guess, is, is a Midwestern, Oklahoma, Kansas style barbecue, but we do have a Carolina sauce on the table. Okay. So that's where the Carolina sauce comes from. It's just, it's actually on the table. It's not one of the items that you're cooking and you're calling it that. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, let's say you we have traveling. four different sauces. Say so, what? I said, we have four different sauces on our tables. What are um, they? It's just a signature sauce. We've got a sweet, um, a spicy and then that Carolina sauce. Okay. You're, you're, I'm not going to say a little more West, but you are further West than obviously we are. When you travel and go around, do you stop at different places and, and or eat or taste or do other menu testing for yourself? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm actually here at the end of this week. We were, I'm going to take some time off and one of our plans, my wife, um, she really wants to head out to Kansas city and just kind of do a barbecue tour. Um, but I don't think that due to weather that that's going to happen. So, but yeah, any, um, in fact, anytime I go to Denver, I've got a buddy, his name is Jason Ganahl. Absolutely. We all know Jason. Yep. So about any time I go to Denver, I eat at one of his restaurants. Um, Very good. You know, I guess cooking barbecue and owning a restaurant you know, my family always says, hey, you've turned us into barbecue snobs, but it's almost like you turn yourself into a food snob because you come to learn what what good food, not just barbecue, but good food in general should be. So, Yeah, not the <clears throat> heated up out of a package, um, 
like some city cafes are, have gotten into um, instead of just taking the time and hand breading a chicken fry or, or taking the time to make mashed potatoes out of mashed potatoes. Um, so I get it. Yeah, you, you understand what's right, what's wrong, what's homemade, what's not. With that, yeah. that in mind, you've, you've, you've done a long journey. You've went from non-food-related business and starting out small, getting large, blowing it up, into the restaurant. You know, you can question or ask yourself all the time, boy, if I wish I'd had only done this, what would it be? Boy, if I'd have had to do this again, I could do, I'd like to do it this way. But let me ask you this question. Maybe not just one item, but multiple things. If if it takes it, um, what would you say you've done right? You know, we can always find wrong in what we did, but just sitting and thinking, looking back, what would you say you've done right? I would say what we've done right is, is our attention to detail. Um, you know, I, I just say, for example, trimming a brisket. I mean, we get a lot more aggressive trimming a brisket than say, yeah, I mean, I know that there's several restaurants. They just throw some rub on a rub on a brisket, throw it in the smoker without really trimming much of the fat off. Um, but because we sell burn ends, buying brisket points is next to impossible. So we actually have to trim them out. Um, so we don't we don't offer a moist brisket or a wet brisket um, because we sell burn ends. Yeah, let's clarify uh, that just a second. For the folks that might be traveling, want to pull in, he's not saying his brisket isn't moist to eat. There, they classify sometimes the fatty end called a moist end. It's not that he's saying his slices are not moist. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's exactly right. In fact, um, and if my wife was here, she'd be kicking me right now. But I can tell you that our slices are probably more moist than a lot of barbecue places, maybe other than Levi's. <laughs> because your product's going into our brisket. Oh, so. yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I I appreciate you saying <laughs> that. I not for me to say, but I do appreciate that. <laughs> so I know that there's other people that'll listen that'll listen to this, and I don't want to get into it too much. But those who know barbecue will know what I'm talking about. Um, so that I think that's what we've done right. We don't really we haven't cut any corners. Um, from cooking a brisket or a pork butt in my backyard to cooking 20 of them in the restaurant on a given day, we treat each one of those 20 like I would treat cooking one in my backyard. The attention to detail, the picking out what purveyor you're buying it from, sticking with a quality rub and or injection like this is going to show up on the plate without a doubt and that's what you're saying that you feel you've done right exactly yep uh folks. yeah we start with quality meats um which is tough you know it's it's tough to go to our to our distributor and say i want this brand or hey this you know that that last case of brisket that i got's not cutting it let's go back to this other brand um i'm willing to pay a little more for a good quality brisket than trying to make money um you know i'm not gonna basically i'm not gonna cook a select grade brisket and try to sell it for what i'm selling my choice grade brisket for 
Um, it's a high-end choice-grade br- brisket. We use 1855 brand brisket. Swiss. Very nice. Um, yep. I love their so, pork program. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so 1855 your, is killer brisket. I, I love it. So yeah. who's your food distributor out there y'all buy from? Benny Keith. Oh, okay. I, that's who we buy from, and they're out of Oklahoma City here. I didn't know there was a distributorship up that way. So, yeah, I get they, it. Yeah, they come out of Albuquerque. Oh, okay, straight up then. We're, yeah, we're about three hours uh, north of Albuquerque, so they have a truck in here four days a week. Okay. So what's, a, what's an average day look like for you um, start to finish? Just not picking, but just kind of a timeline quick. Um. So my, I have a morning guy. I don't come in every morning at six. Um, I'm usually in about eight o'clock, but I have a morning guy that comes in at six o'clock. He's wrapping pork butts, wrapping briskets, um, putting ribs and turkey and sausage on and wings. Um, we've got everything done by the big meats are usually done by 10 o'clock, 10 AM. And they go in the CVAP and then, uh, ribs, you know, all the smaller cuts. So ribs, turkey, sausage, and wings. We make it, we do a run for lunch. Um, if we have enough left over after lunch, you know, we'll just continue to sell through through dinner time. But our ribs and our turkey are about a four hour cook. So we can cook more if we run out of lunch and have them fresh for dinner. Um, but as soon as my morning guy is done with cooking the meat for that day's service, then he and one or two other people, depending on catering, depending on the day, will jump on prepping for the next day, uh, prepping the big meats for the next day. And that's usually done by 2 or 3 p.m., um, goes into the walk-in, and they sit there till 7 p.m., and then we're pulling them out of the walk-in and putting them in the smoker. And smokers started at 8 o'clock at night. Do you still have a large following for the catering that you started out with? We do. Yeah. Um, our, our biggest client is actually the local college here, Adam state university. Um, we're, we're, we actually have a great partnership with them. So we do every year we do two 1000 person catering jobs for them, plus a bunch of smaller jobs, you know, for each various department. Yeah. So you're running the restaurant and you and your wife, you said you and your wife own that. Does she right. take a, a front of the house approach at it and you run the back end or vice versa? Or does she do the catering and manage and run that? Or you do the restaurant? Um, how have you split this up and still keep your household where you want to buy each other a Christmas present? <laughs> <laughs> hey, there hasn't, there hasn't been some moments, I'll tell you that. But uh, we actually work really good together. And without her, uh, I'll tell you this, without her, I couldn't this this business probably wouldn't happen she kind of keeps everybody in line but she's actually a second grade teacher um so she teaches and then she also handles a lot of the hr stuff so she does scheduling deals with any employee issues stuff like that okay and then she helps with catering so when we cater she's she's right there with us she's she's yeah she's the catering yep. guru gotcha yeah and yep. then she'll also um if she has, she actually loves being in the restaurant. I think that you know our our goal is to to get the business up and going strong enough so that she can come in here full time. Um, but she'll come in and make coleslaw, um, and then you know she's always cleaning. She's a clean freak, which is great. So just just you know, what we us make, guys need right there. 
Yeah, anytime she's in the restaurant, she's got a rag in her hand and she's cleaning something. So yeah. even if she's not working, if she just comes in to say hi, it seems like within five minutes she's got a rag in her hand and she's cleaning something. Yeah. And I have put her on the line. She can slice, she can slice brisket and ribs and and shred pork with the best of them. So she's she kind of does it all really. Just jumps in where it's needed. That cross training and all that, that is huge. That's great. Let's be real. Life is life. Let's say you lay a motorcycle down and you break a leg. Um, Man, you need to be able to say, this has to get done today while I'm laid up in bed, you know, for the next 10 days. This has got to be done tomorrow. Um, Having someone there already trained is so important. Um, And I think that's a great way to do it because it's not only that, but it's somebody you can trust. Yeah. Yeah. She kind of, and then I've, uh, I also have my mom working in here. I didn't, I didn't mention that, but my mom was the County clerk, uh, the Alamosa County clerk for 22 years. She retired in November. Um, and so she works in here full time. Um, but she's actually one of the first people that, uh, one of the first people that you see when you walk in the door is, is my mom. She's the cashier most of the time. So she's, uh, having her in here is awesome too. Cause I can, it actually lets, frees me up and, uh, lets me, lets me do some things, run the business marketing, stuff like that. And I don't have to worry about it. You know, I can, I can leave for half a day if I need to. And, and knowing that she's in here is, is a tremendous help. Oh, there. Yes. Yes. Not only knowing that your registers ran right, things are rung up correctly, but if someone come in, comes in and has a question, Hey, tell us about this, uh, potato salad you know that she she's going to sell that potato salad like it's a a pot of gold she is you know she was she started the business with me her and my dad um so she's been there from day one so her and my wife have both been there from day one and having them in the the restaurant is a tremendous help and it's just it's a blessing okay we know you got two boys is that your goal or do you want to um get it to where let them go get their education and make the choice if they want to fall into the family business. Yeah, I do. Um, my younger one seems to really like it. He's won a couple kids cues and, um, he loves steak. Um, he cooks a mean burger. So, um, he says, you know, like I said, he's only 11, but he says that he's going to take over the business. Now my older one, I have no idea what that guy's going to do. <laughs> he's a, they're both really good athletes. So that's about what we do in our free time is, is spend time chasing them. Um, my older one, Dyson is a heck of a football player and a heck of a wrestler. And then my younger one, um, is a football player. He's a great little football player and he plays hockey as well. So we spend time chasing them. But so my older one has these aspirations of going to a big college, a big division one college for wrestling. Um, Okay. Yeah. And then my younger one, he says he's going to take over the business. So if he wants to, I'll let him do it. Well, but. send send the oldest one down here to OSU. Um, they've got a wonderful wrestling program, and I'm sure Levi can put him to work on the weekends. We're just 30 minutes yeah. from there. <laughs> hey, we'll do that. They, uh, But they know. They actually know how to prep meat. Um, I've had them in a pinch. You know, when my dad was sick, I had them out there injecting pork butts and putting rub on some of the meat. So they uh, they they – they they put in their they are in their keep. Yeah, they they've um, done their time in the trenches, haven't they? They have, and they come in here every day for an after school snack. So you can imagine with a thirteen year old and eleven year old, they're growing. But <laughs> but they just come in and and may I, I tell them like, look, I'm not going to make your food. You know how to do it. So just come in here and get what you want. There you go. I like that one. 
Yep. And by the way, when you get home, the lawn needs it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. You're exactly right. <laughs> well, let's, uh, we've gotten to a part of this uh, podcast where I, uh, I do this with all my guests, and I, to me, it's rather fun. It kind of opens it up and lets everybody kind of gets to know who Kyle Woodward is. Um, you know I've got a whole lot of injection needles out there in that um, <laughs> warehouse. I'm going to inject you with a truth serum. So you need to answer okay. these questions truthfully. All right. Awesome. Let's do it. All right. Are you a plain or a peanut M&M person? Plain. Plain. Almond Joy plain. or a Mounds? Uh, Almond Joy. Uh, you went two of them without the nuts in it. So I, that's kind of telling you something. <laughs> yeah. All right. If you wanted to look something up, let's say you had to get an answer for something. Are you the kind of person that's going to go online and just Google it? Or are you going to get online and Facebook and just ask some friends their opinions of it? No, I'm going to Google it. I don't, I don't really ask a lot of opinions on social media because who knows what you're going to get. So <laughs> That's fair enough. And the last one I've got, like I tell everyone, you've got just enough truth ceremonia to still answer this. And this was a fun one on the last one that I asked. Now, now, now listen to this close and you'll understand what I'm asking. Are you a sock, sock person or are you a sock shoe person? Socks, socks. Or do you, socks? yeah. Do you put your socks, 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 then shoe, yep. shoe. All right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's just fun. I, I, maybe I should ask that on the front side to kind of break the, the, the uh, uh, <laughs> nerves of people talking and everything into a microphone, but I, Hey, I save it for the last. <laughs> yeah. Hey, is there no, anything I, you I got, you want to ask that. or, or go over or anything like that? Well, since I'm talking to you, I know I've told you this a million times before, but with our business, one of our biggest philosophies is, is customer service. We try to treat every customer. We go above and beyond. But I will tell everybody that's listening, I became a friend of yours, which is one most important to me, but also a customer. Because at the restaurant and catering class that I went to, when I first started doing this, you were prepping ribs and you put some honey rub on those ribs. So during a break, I went and asked you, I didn't know you, but I went and asked you, I said, hey, what would it take to get, get a bottle of that honey rub? You said, come down to my truck. So I went down to your truck. You gave me a bottle of honey rub. I said, what do I owe you for it? You, and I'll never forget this. You said, you don't owe me a thing. You asked me if I had a bottle of honey rub. I said, I did. So here you go. Wow. And because of that one thing, I have been a customer of yours ever since that day. Kyle, thank you. And that just goes to show what that goes to show what good customer service does. Well, there's a lot of people that preach customer service and there's a lot of people that don't understand it, even though they can mouth those words. Um, and I know you do. I know you understand it. I know your dad did. Um, and that just shows you, generation after generation and i promise you i know your kids are going to know it too um thank you for the kind words and we appreciate that well that's, we try to take that same philosophy in our business but i will never i'll never ever forget that interaction i had with you well thank you thank you kyle i appreciate that well let's uh let's put a wrap on this tell everybody where they can follow you find you everything okay so we are 
We're on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all as Woody's Q Shack. So it's W-O-O-D-Y-S, and then the letter Q and Shack. And then we're also, we just actually finished up um, redesigning our website. It's woodysqshack.com as well. Okay. What's the address? And then other than that, it's uh, 703 Main Street in Alamosa, Colorado. Okay. Right at the intersection of Main Street and San Juan. Oh, I was thinking about traveling that way myself. San Juan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Well, Kyle, appreciate the time very much. I know it's a busy day for you and a lot going on. Um, I just wanted to once again say thanks. Um, I want to tell everybody, um, listen up, like this podcast on whatever um, style of of loading. Boy, I messed that up big time, didn't I? Um, (laughs) Like this podcast on whatever you want to listen to it on. um, Subscribe to it so you can get notifications whenever it comes around. Um, We try to load these up on Tuesdays of each week. Look, listen for this one. And Kyle, once again, I appreciate your time. Hey, thank you, man. And I appreciate all that you've done for us as well. You bet. Have a great day. You as well. Smash that subscribe button and be ready for Butcher's next podcast.